Hey everyone, welcome to the Promise Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to like us and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at My Promise Church. And to see what else is going on around here at Promise, please visit us at mypromisechurch.com. We hope this message you're about to listen to ministers to you and changes your life. Enjoy. I, uh, I love the worship set today. I want to honor them. Let's give them a great big hand today. Um, I, uh, I was going to say a couple things there. Um, I enjoyed, the, now I can't, when I look out sometimes I get a little blinded here and I just did. Wherever Jamar was, I loved what Jamar said uh, and I love that psalm that he brought out. Where's Jamar at? Okay, I was, I was blinded. Uh, there you are right there, not far away from me. Um, because here's what I wanted to say about that was, I think a lot of times we focus our worship based on what God can do for us. And it's kind of like, well, I'm going to praise God because um, I need something. Uh, I need a, a blessing. I need a miracle. I need something. And, and I think that's right and that's, that's fine and that's good. But I think real worship is just for who he is, not, not for what he can do. And, and I know that he can, and he can save us, and, and he can heal us, and he can deliver us. But there's something powerful about that psalm and what Jamar was bringing, where I'm just worshiping him because I owe him. He created me. He put breath in my body. But more than that, he's just, he is supreme. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He, there, is, there is power in his presence. It just, he's the king. And so I, I fall to my knees in his presence. And, and that type of worship, I, I just, is, is, is just worshiping his holiness. He brought that out. Just worshiping him because he's holy. And there's a power in that. I, I think I saw the music team step out in the lobby there, but Annette was on fire in that one song too. I want to sing that again in the second service. So I'm uh, looking forward to second service. I want to go quickly to a Luke, uh, Luke chapter 11. Um, I want to just read the Lord's Prayer. Um, I did a message series on the Lord's Prayer in 2020, in the summer of 2020, our summer revival. Um, and um, I love this passage. Uh, we preached through literally every uh, phrase of this, and I, I don't intend to do that, and, and I don't intend to uh, really even cover anything that, we are, that we've already covered, but um, my point for saying that is, I, recently I was asked, I was having a conversation with somebody in the church, they said, why do you think that people don't pray, or why do you think that, what's the problem with, what's the obstacle, maybe I should say it that way, for people to pray, and whether we're talking about a prayer meeting, or a uh, we, we just had seven days of prayer in the morning uh, through our summer revival, and we do have, just a little quick plug, we do have a, one Friday night every month that's a, a prayer time in here. But somebody said, what, what do you think the obstacle to prayer is for people? And I said, to me, I feel like it's that we don't know how to pray. I think that we might start to pray, or we believe in prayer, and we have faith believing that God hears us. I think we, I think we think and believe all that. But I think we get to a place of prayer and it's like, Lord, bless me, provide for me, do what you do or what I need you to do. And then it's kind of like staring at ceiling tiles. I want to help you today with that and, um, and just kind of spring from this passage here. And, and it'll be familiar to you, but it says here that Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he ceased, when he finished... One of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Everybody say that with me. Lord, teach us. Oh, we were off there. Let's try it again. Lord, teach us to pray. I wonder if that would be our prayer today. Lord, Lord, teach us. Make it personal. Teach me. Teach me to pray. 
So here was his response. He prayed a model prayer. He said, when you pray, say this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. I want to just preach today, the Lord teach us to pray. Would you greet somebody around you, say, God bless you for being in the house today. God bless you. God bless you. You can be seated. God bless you for being here today. I'm glad to see each and every one of you. Um, I, uh, <clears throat> we, we've kind of just come through um, our summer revival, and I enjoyed, um, I enjoyed uh, every week of that. And I, I do want to just give a quick uh, plug there, too, for the life groups. Grab one of those. Um, grab one of these uh, books if you haven't already. Um, I, I think there's sign-up cards in a lot of them, maybe still some out there. You could uh, give this to an usher or uh, a Dream Team member, or you could just scan the QR code on the back and um, sign up for life groups. So I want you to get in a life group. I think everybody uh, would be blessed by it. Um, and then I also want to say they're doing the blessing bags today after the second service. So if you know about that, uh, be a part of it. You know, but we, we just come through this uh, summer revival, and I would say that every revival, every real and true revival um, has always started and has always been sustained by prayer. If you look at any revival in the Bible, uh, any, anything that really started in the Bible, it was started through prayer. If you look in church history and you find a, a revival, it was started in prayer. If you look at any church uh, and they had revival and just souls being saved and just power and miracles and, and their city and community changed, it started and was sustained by prayer. And so I just want to tell the church today that revival is not a series of services uh, when I was growing up, it meant that we were going to have church every night for seven days in a row. Uh, and I, and I, that's great. And if you all come for seven nights in a row, I would do it. Uh, but I want to tell you that real revival started and sustained by prayer. And if you want revival in your heart, become a person of prayer. If you want revival in your family, become a family of prayer. If we want revival in our church, we have to become a church of prayer. A church is not a steeple. It's not brick and mortar. It's God's people when they gather together. And when God's people gather together and pray, I'll tell you, that's something hell fears. Hell does not fear a steeple or a fancy sign. They, hell fears people that gather together in the name of Jesus and say, we're not leaving until God's power is here. We're not leaving until souls are saved. I wonder if anybody preach with me today. I'm not leaving until the power of heaven is in this room. How many said amen? All right, all right. So uh, the disciples, they were, they were called and they followed Jesus. And they were receiving many things from him. They were seeing things as well. Uh, I, G, uh, Jesus had that famous moment with Peter when Peter uh, said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And, and Jesus says, Peter, uh, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. Did not read that in a book. No one taught that to you. But that was spiritually revealed to you, not physically revealed. He said, you didn't receive that by flesh and blood, but that was revealed to you by our Father in heaven. And so they were beginning to realize this is more than a man, but this is the anointed one, the Messiah. I remember they had that moment on the boat where they were waking up Jesus in the bow of the ship and saying, Master, care us not thou that we perish. And Jesus steps up onto the bow of the ship and rebukes the wind and the waves and says, peace, be still. And the disciples began to talk among themselves. They said, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Of course, they had that moment where they said, Jesus, it's too late. Lazarus has already died. He's been put in the grave. His body stinks, they said. And Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus walks out of the grave. And the disciples begin to say, wow, this man has power over death. 
and, and, and he rebukes the wind and the waves, and he's an anointed of God. And then, of course, they have that moment where the bread and the fish is being multiplied, but not in the hands of Jesus, in their own hands. And they begin to say, not only does he have power, but his power is working in us and through us as we're multiplying the bread and the fish. And they begin to say, what manner of man is this? But then, even more and still and closer to the cross, they began to realize this man is forgiving sin. Only God can forgive sin. And Jesus said, you know, you get get all excited when I call this man, this lame man out of his cot, but only God can forgive sin. They begin to put this together, but in the end, there was, at this moment still, there was something missing, something they had not received yet, and it was the ability to really pray, really call on heaven, really get in touch with heaven. Their connection was through Jesus, and they would see him pray but they didn't know how to pray themselves. And I think there's a lot of disciples like that today. We believe in Jesus. We might have a testimony or two. We've heard some testimonies. We've seen some things happen. We've seen some miracles take place. But we really don't know how to call on heaven for ourselves. When there's a prayer request, it's, hey, text the pastor. When there's a prayer request, it's, hey, call your mother-in-law. Hey, call grandma, or, or hey, call grandpa, or hey, let's call so-and-so that really knows how to pray. But I want to tell you, it is your right and your privilege as a disciple of Jesus to go boldly before the throne of grace at any time, in any place. Wish somebody receive it in the house today. And this is where the disciples were in the text. They must have seen Jesus praying. They must have heard Jesus praying. And there was something that stood out to them, and they were stirred in their spirit, and they said, Lord, would you teach us to pray? I, I remember in that message series I did on the Lord's Prayer, it just stood out to me, and it's something that I've held on to uh, the last couple years. But it's amazing to me that the disciples, they never said, Jesus, teach us how to preach. They never said, Jesus, teach us how to cast out devils. They never said, Jesus, teach us how to do that thing where you multiply the bread and the fish. They never asked Jesus how to do any of that. But they did ask Jesus how to pray because they realized if we know how to pray, there's access to all of that. If I know how to pray, there's access to provision. I, 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 if I know how to pray... There's access to the anointing. If I know how to pray, there's access to the healing. I want to tell you, we don't have to ask Jesus how to preach, how to heal, how to do this or that, how to multiply the bread. We just need to know how to pray. And it's a heart posture, just saying, Lord, I need some help down here. Heavenly Father, day by day, give us our daily bread. Heavenly Father, on earth as it is in heaven. Somebody ought to say amen right there. So I want to give you just a few things that I think they witnessed from the life of Jesus. And the first one that I see is that he had a time to pray. It says here uh, in Mark chapter 1 that he healed many who were sick with various diseases. And he cast out many demons. And he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. Watch verse 35. Now in the morning, everybody say in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight. Now this is the 9 a.m. service. I think this is going to go over well. I don't know about the 11 a.m. service. This might not be received with the same joy and gladness of heart. But he says he went out and departed to a solitary place and there he prayed. He didn't ride his bike. He didn't lift weights, although that's good to do. Uh, he prayed early in the morning before the sun came up. And he took time to pray. He set aside time to pray. Even if it took him, uh, even if it required him waking up well before daylight, it didn't say he woke up with the sun, it said he woke up well before the sun. And nothing separated Jesus from his prayer time. He was not too busy to pray, he was not too successful to pray, he was not even too active to pray. He, he had uh, a lot going on, but yet he prioritized prayer time. And I think all of us have a lot of things going on, and, and maybe there's times where we say, Lord, I, I wanted to pray, but I had to cut the grass. I don't want to tell the Lord that on judgment day. <laughs> Lord, I wanted to pray, but I had to get the laundry done. 
I remember I had uh, somebody one time, we reached out to him, said, hey, didn't see you at church for the last couple of weeks, everything okay? And I remember they told me, they said, well, you know what happened was we had laundry that was in the, in the washer, and we had to wait for it to, the cycle to finish so we could put it into the dryer. I said, I, I understand, brother. God bless you. We'll just pray for the laundry to be finished next week. But you know, the Lord, he was preaching, not doing laundry. He was teaching, not cutting grass. He was forgiving sin, not mopping the floor. He was healing sick, not doing dishes. He was casting out devils, calling disciples, performing miracles. And as important as those things were, he never prioritized those things above prayer. You ever seen these statistics about how much we're on social media? They say the average person now is on social media more than two hours a day. And yet those folks are going to go to heaven and say, Lord, I was too busy. I was too busy to pray. I was too busy. And I think the Lord's going to have your screen time printed out right there. Just going to appear on a screen right there. And I, don't, <laughs> I want there to be grace on that day. But Jesus understood in his flesh that prayer was important. And I'm making light of it, but I want to tell you today, having a place and a time to pray is important. If I don't make, a, I would say that prayer is, you've got to make a deposit into that bank of prayer because that account can run dry. And I can't deposit what I don't put in. But I'll tell you, there is deposits made in prayer that have dividends. There's an investment made in prayer that has dividends. When you begin to pray, maybe it's just a seed, but there's going to be a harvest. Maybe when you begin to pray, it's just, Lord, I need you to touch this situation. And after a week, after a month, you begin to see that situation begin to have a divine touch, a divine anointing. Things begin to shift. Things begin to change in that situation because I'm making a deposit in prayer. I love James chapter 4 and verse 2. It says that we have not... Because we ask not. He goes on to say in the next verse that you ask amiss. But you have not because you ask not. So I want to tell the church today, there are things you lack because you haven't asked. There are things that you lack that God wants to give you, but you haven't asked. There's a miracle in your life that God wants to do, but you lack it because you haven't asked. There's a power, an anointing, a calling, a, there's, there's a divine gift, there's a touch, there's something in your life that you are lacking, but you haven't asked. But this verse tells us, if you'll ask, you'll receive. And I just want to tell the church today that even though Jesus was out there preaching and teaching and forgiving and healing, he understood there's a source that will run dry if I, don't st if I stop praying. We have to understand, Jesus was, yes, he was fully divine, but he was also fully man. He was not 50% God and 50% man. He was 100% God and 100% man. And so Jesus was experiencing everything that humans experience. You, uh, he, you've ever been disappointed? Jesus was disappointed. Have you ever wept? Jesus wept. You, you ever been hurt? Jesus was hurt. You ever been betrayed? Jesus was betrayed. Were you ever sick? Jesus was sick. All of the things, were you ever tired? Did you ever have a busy schedule? All of those things Jesus had as well. But he understood that his humanity needed a deposit of prayer. And I think our problem is sometimes we're out trying to do all these things. And we're busy and we're trying to do this and we're trying to do that. And we have not set a time for that strength. We've not set a time for that refueling, that recharging that we need in prayer. But Jesus had a time to pray. And I got to tell the church today, if Jesus had a time to pray, I need a time to pray. If Jesus had a time to pray, you need a time to pray. Somebody ought to say amen to that. And so it says here that um, in Luke 5 and 16, he oftentimes, here it is again, he had times, oftentimes, withdrew in the wilderness and prayed. 
Jesus' prayer life, it was not careless, it was not haphazard, it was not irregular, it was not on again, off again, on again, off again. But it seems from these passages and more that Jesus would wake up before the sun and he would have a predictable and specific time to pray. And I'll tell you, wherever that is in your day, but especially if you start your day in prayer, you are preparing yourself for anything that comes your way that day day. You could stand before a giant, stand before a king, because I already kneeled before the king of kings, and I've already prayed over my day. I've already got an anointing. I've already got a power. I could stand before a powerful person. I could walk into a problematic situation, because I've already put my problems at the altar. And so here it says in Luke 19 that Jesus was alone praying, and his disciples joined him, asking and, and, and Jesus began to ask him, he said, who do the crowds say that I am? Notice Jesus was alone praying. He would get by himself for a time of prayer. And they knew, the disciples knew, Jesus is alone praying. We can go and find him. I just, I, he's the son of God. He was the son of God. And he had a time of prayer. And I want to tell you that we can sometimes come to this house it's a house of prayer. It's a house of prayer. And I think sometimes we can shake hands and talk to our brothers, talk to our sister. We can sing the songs of praise and sing the songs of Zion. And we can say amen to the message. But then we can walk right out and forget that this is a house of prayer. And my reason for coming was to talk. I'm glad I can talk to Tom. I'm, I love talking to my brothers and I love all that. But I'm not just here to talk to the brothers. I'm here to talk to Jesus. I'm here to talk to my heavenly father. This is a house of prayer. Can I just tell you, that's why the, that's why the altar time is so important. I tell you, I don't know, it's hard to say one time or other time of service is the most important. But I would really say the altar time is the most important because now the message has been preached. Now the word has gone forth. And it's my time to receive it and find a place in the altar to lift my hands or bow my knee and just say, Lord, I come to kneel and praise you and ask for forgiveness and healing and whatever it is. And I want to tell you, if you get that posture of prayer, the Holy Spirit will fill you. Remember, the language of the Holy Spirit is prayer. Remember, the Holy Spirit was poured out in a prayer room. The Holy Spirit came in the middle of a prayer meeting. The Holy Spirit interrupted a prayer meeting. And you come alive when you pray. There is a fire of God on you when you pray. If you get a time every day of prayer, it will change you like nothing has ever changed you before. I'll tell you, if you took me up on this and just got a prayer closet today, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and everybody came back next Sunday, this roof would explode. There would be a fire of heaven. There would be a Holy Spirit wind. There would be a Holy Spirit fire because God's people, I tell you, I believe it. If we got a hold of prayer, we don't even know what God can do in a people that know how to pray. I wish somebody say amen to that. I'll tell you one thing that'll spark your prayer time is this. You know, we all hit times when we're busy. We just saw that Jesus was busy. He was so busy, he said, if I'm going to get my prayer time in, I've got to do it before daylight. And I'll tell you that every part of life has its own busyness. How many would say amen that sometimes your career was busy, sometimes your family was busy, your children, whatever season of life. And in those seasons of life, prayer can fade out. Maybe I still pray here and there, maybe when the, we go into church or whatever, but I'll tell you, here's what will spark your prayer time is if you really have a time of prayer, you begin to realize the Lord meets me at this time. And if I miss it, the Lord was there. He was waiting on me. And I stood him up. Think about if you had an appointment, whatever it was. Early morning, you have a breakfast appointment with somebody. I wouldn't stand them up. I wouldn't stand any of y'all. I've now, I've made mistakes before and crossed up a schedule or whatever else. I had to call last minute. But I wouldn't stand up anybody. I wouldn't, if I had a breakfast meeting with the mayor, I wouldn't stand him up. 
If I had a breakfast meeting with the governor, I wouldn't stand him up. If I had a breakfast meeting with an important business man or woman in the city, I wouldn't stand them up. But do you know that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is willing to meet you at the same time and the same place? Maybe it's driving to work. Maybe it's at your breakfast table, the kitchen table. Maybe it's evening after it settles down. And I know, just go with me on this. I know he's, I know he's omnipresent. I know he's everywhere, Brother Oz. But just because he's everywhere don't mean he's not here. He is everywhere, but he's at your kitchen table too. And if every morning at 6 a.m. before the house gets busy, there's a moment of devotion. And I open his word. And I have a little time of prayer. It might be five minutes. It might be ten. It might be fifteen minutes. But somewhere on God's clock, somewhere on God's calendar... He's saying, Vanessa meets me at her dining room table, that kitchen table, every morning. Jamar meets me in that prayer closet every morning. Raphael, on the way to work, he's driving. He's got his worship music. And the Lord, on his clock and calendar, he is there. That becomes an important uh, uh, appointment. And I don't want to break it because I know the God of the universe, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords is there to meet me At that time, every single day. Somebody ought to say amen and receive that right there. You know, the second thing is that that Jesus had a place to pray. And I think that's important as well. It's a time and it's a place. It said in the morning, uh, Mark 1.35, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and he departed to a solitary place. It was a place. We see many times in the Gospels that Jesus had a place. A lot of times for him, it was a place in nature. Uh, the Bible tells us that he would go to the wilderness at times. Of course, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane. Other times it was a hillside. There's times he prayed on the lake or a coastline. Other times it said that he escaped into a field. One time he went up on a mountainside and he knelt at a boulder. It's interesting to me that these seem to be getaways, to get away from the distractions, get away from the busyness. Might be too busy at your desk and the phone is ringing and there's a stack of paperwork and it's just it's not conducive to pray. You need a place that you can turn off the phone. There's, you need a place that you can get away from everybody else and the hustle and the bustle and you can go and you can shut that door behind you. And I tell you, you need a place to pray. I love that there's people in this church that they come and, and they'll, they'll go into a classroom or they'll come into this, this room right here and pray every morning. I've had people ask me for keys and code to get in in the morning and just to find a place to pray before they go to work. I love that because the Lord is meeting them at that time and that place. I know there's people that like to walk when they pray and we've done that in this neighborhood, just done prayer walks, just not making a big scene about it, but I'm just walking around the block and just we're just praying God's favor in this neighborhood, just praying God's favor on the street that I live and just just maybe pacing around this room right here. I, I do that. I just walk around and I, I, I'll walk by a seat and I'll say, that family right there and I just, I'm praying for them and just declaring God's power and Lord, when we meet in this room in a few days, I just pray against every distraction. I just pray against every every plan of hell and I just, I just pray your salvation is in this house and I just pray there's an anointing in this place. You ought to get a place to pray. Never forget, this is a house of prayer. Never forget, Jesus said, have a prayer closet. He said, when you go into your prayer closet, assuming you have a prayer closet, we all need a place to pray. Amen. The third thing I want to show you is that Jesus prayed out loud. There's times that we pray quietly or silently. Might not always be appropriate to shout down power from heaven. Maybe you're on the elevator going up to work and you, you thought, oh Lord, I forgot about that thing. And, and you don't need to shout and plead the blood and all that kind of stuff in the, in the elevator. Now if you do, I'm not going to tell you not to, but it could just be a silent prayer and say, Lord, I need you to bless that and touch that situation. And you could say a quick prayer. But I would say the majority of our prayers, especially in our own prayer time, ought to be loud. We ought to speak it out. We ought to open our mouth and pray out loud. If you want a vibrant and powerful prayer life, speak it. Have the faith to say it. 
Because as I've preached before, you'll, you'll feel it somewhere down here and, and maybe you'll see it in a dream, in a, in a vision. But the next step of faith is I'm speaking it. And I'll, I'll, I'll see it in my mind before I speak it, and I'll speak it before I see it with my natural eye. But there's power in just developing the faith to say it out loud. God, save my family. God, bless our children. God, bless our business. God, heal. God, save. God, deliver. And, and I think there's a power in that. I also say it's, it's easy to get distracted. I don't know about you, but for me, it's easy to get distracted if I just close my eyes and pray silently in my brain. How many know other things start to come into your mind? And all of a sudden, instead of praying, I'm making a grocery list in my head. You know what I'm saying? And all of a sudden, I'm thinking about a voicemail that I didn't return or that somebody texts me and I haven't texted them back. And I'm remembering, oh, I didn't do that, and I've still got to do this. And, you know, I, I just think, some, I just learned to get a pen and a paper and just write out my task list for the day. And I say, thank you, devil, for helping me create my task list. Now my task list is made. Back to prayer time. I'm kind of joking there. But the truth is, if I begin to pray out loud, it changes the atmosphere. Because now faith is rising, and I'm declaring some things. And all of a sudden, I was in the shadow of the giant, and I felt the gates of hell prevailing. But now I'm pushing back on the gates of hell. Now I've got a, a water pistol, and I'm chasing hell because faith is rising. I'm calling on the name of the Lord, and I'm speaking it out with my mouth. I'm saying out loud. I'm declaring the victory of God. I'm declaring the word of God. I'm speaking the name of Jesus. And all of a sudden, my heart is shifting. My mind is shifting. The atmosphere is shifting. And all of a sudden, my faith is full. All of a sudden, my faith is rising. And this is why Jesus prayed out loud in the Garden of Gethsemane. It said in Matthew 26, verse 39, he went a little farther and he fell on his faith, uh, face, prayed, saying, 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 not silently in his mind, not, not silently in his heart, not thinking it. He was saying it out loud. He, he was in a desperate place. Oh, my father. If it's possible, remember the Bible said that he was, he was sweating drops of blood. Medicine now tells us that's an intense situation where capillaries are bursting and blood is coming from your pores. He was in a desperate situation saying, my father in heaven, if it's possible, let this cup pass for me. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. He wasn't saying that silently in the depths of his heart. He was speaking it out with passion with fervor. Remember the fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. It's not something I'm thinking silently or meditating, but I'm speaking it. Three verses later in verse 42, he says it again. It says a second time he went away and prayed saying, oh my father, let this cup pass away from me unless I drink it. Your will be done. Saying, verse 44, it says it again. He left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Jesus had a time of prayer. Jesus had a place of prayer. And when he got there, he prayed out loud. I'm telling you, there's power in your prayer. If you'll speak it out loud, something will change in the atmosphere. Something will happen in this church when we pray out loud. If folks would gather in this altar, I know the prayer team does it already, but if we would gather in this altar before church, and God bless everybody coming in, grabbing coffee, talking about football, and I'll talk all that stuff with you, and God bless you, but if there's a rumble and a roar in this altar of people that are praying, calling on heaven, saying, Lord, I'm asking for your favor, I'm asking for your blessing, I think sometimes we're too self-conscious. We worry what people's going to think. What will they think if they hear me praying out loud? The Bible said it's better to please God than men. Peter said, I'd rather please God than men. We ought to learn how to pray. 
Lord, teach us to pray. How did that come to their mind? Because they saw Jesus pray. They heard Jesus pray. If he was just praying silently in his heart, they never would have asked him, how should we pray? Teach us to pray. But they heard him praying. They probably never heard somebody pray like Jesus prayed. They probably never saw somebody with such an anointing and connection when he prayed. And they said, Lord, would you teach us to pray? I wonder if anybody ever hears us pray out loud. I'm not doing it to impress anybody. Jamar was talking about the Pharisees, not, not trying to pray in King James English to impress anybody, but I'm speaking it out loud to encourage your faith that if God is for us, who can be against us? I wonder if any man or woman would stand up today and just say, I'm going to be the first one to worship with a loud voice. I'm going to be the first one in the altar declaring God's victory, declaring God's power, declaring God's favor. I'm going to speak it out with a loud voice and say, if God is for us, who can be against us? The name of Jesus is higher than any other name. And I'll tell you, if you'll do that, faith will rise. Enemies will be defeated. Hell will be pushed back. Miracles will happen. Faith is restored. Salvation will come. God's spirit will be poured out because there is life and there's death in the tongue. Somebody ought to speak out hallelujah. Somebody ought to praise God right there and just let heaven hear your voice. Oh, come on. Somebody just speak it out right now. We praise you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. I've got to look at my time here, but, you know, I, I, the, we, were, we, I, we were preaching, I was preaching through that story of David and Goliath, and I said, I said something that, uh, that about, you know, Satan will lie to us. Goliath was telling David all these things that were going to happen to him, but in the end, all those things happened to Goliath. And I reminded you that Satan is, our, or Goliath is a type of Satan. Satan is lying to us because he does not know our future. He does not know your future. He is trying to lie to you about your future so you lose hope, lose faith, fall into it, and play into the lie he is telling you about your future. But he doesn't know your future. And he doesn't know your thoughts. Sometimes we think that Satan is on par with God. He's not. He's a fallen angel. He fell like lightning in 0.0000. I don't know how fast lightning is, but I preached on it one time. A few years ago or something, I don't know. But he fell that fast from heaven. It was no contest. It wasn't an arm wrestling kind of thing like this. I mean, it was just faster than I can clap. And so he doesn't know your thoughts. But I'll tell you, I want him to hear my prayers. I want hell to hear my prayer. I want hell to know I haven't given up the fight. I want hell to know my faith is strong. I want hell to hear me speak the word of God and say there is no name higher than Jesus. I want hell to hear me pray. I want the devil to know I have not given up my fight. I have not given up my prayer life. I have not given up faith. I'm still praying for salvation. I'm still praying for healing. I'm still praying for our family. I'm still declaring victory. I'm still praying for our church. I'm still praying for our communities. I'm still praying for our cities. And I want hell to know. That the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. I want hell to know that we're still a praying people. I want hell to know we're still calling on Jesus. I want hell to know we still are a praying people. Come on, somebody say it with me. I want hell to know this is a house of prayer. We're a people of prayer. We believe in prayer. We're calling on the name of the Lord. I want hell to know. I want him to hear us pray. Silent people are defeated people. All of David's brothers were silent. King was silent. David was loud. A praying church is a loud church. A loud church is a praying church. A praying and a loud church is a victorious church. I'll tell you, hell is afraid 
of the church's prayers because there's power in that name. There's power in prayer. Uh, the fourth thing I want to tell you is that Jesus prayed for people by name. Jesus prayed for his, his friends by name. Luke twenty two thirty one 31 says the Lord said this, Simon, Simon, speaking to Peter, he said, Indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you. I said last week, that's a separation. Sift you as wheat. I could preach the life groups again there, but I'll leave it. But Satan wants to separate you from Jesus. He wants to separate you from other disciples. He wants to separate you just like wheat is separated from the chaff. And that was what Satan's aim was. But Jesus says, but I have prayed for you. I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. And Jesus knew that his faith would fail for a while and that he would go back to his fishing nets. But when he would come back, he said, strengthen your brothers. I wonder if anyone in here has ever been burdened for somebody in your life. Jesus was burdened for Peter. Get a burden for your family. Get a burden for your children. Get a burden for people in your life. You ever just, God, put somebody on your heart? Go and pray for them. Don't wait another minute. Just pray for them. Just call their name before heaven. You ought to listen to that voice. I've, 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 I've been on the other side, I've been on both sides of that where I've told people, I just had you on my heart and I, and I prayed for you and I wanted to call you. And I can't tell you how many times God has done it and they'll say, you don't understand, you called me at the right time. And, and there was some divine connection, but I've been on the other side of that where somebody has called me and said, I was praying for it and I just, God spoke something, I just wanted to encourage you. And I said, you don't know what that means. It's been a day. It's been a week. It's been a season. And that blessed me so much. And God puts you on my on your mind for a reason. And I'll tell you, notice what he did. He called Simon's name out and he said, Simon, uh, Satan desired to sift you as wheat. He tried to take you out, but I thwarted that by praying for you. And I have prayed for you by name that your faith would not fail. Jesus' prayer was not just a general prayer, willy-nilly, just bless all my family, just bless everybody I know. No, that's not how he did it. He prayed out loud, and he prayed for Peter by name, and he told Peter, Peter, I have prayed for you. There's faith building in just telling somebody, hey, when you shared that thing with me, I put you on my prayer list, and I called it out before heaven every single morning. Peter, I have prayed for you. The Bible tells us that Jesus is ever interceding on our behalf. He is praying for you. There might be challenges, there might be difficulties you're facing, but your brothers and sisters can pray for you. Jesus is praying for you. You are on his heart and your name is being called out. And they're not just general prayers, but somebody is calling your name before heaven. Jesus knew that Satan was targeting Peter's life. And he prayed for him by name. And when Satan asked for Peter, you have to think about it. He was asking for Peter to be separated. Who was Satan asking to separate Peter? I don't believe he was asking Jesus to separate Peter from the disciples because Jesus wouldn't have done that. I don't think it was the same kind of thing as when Satan approached God and said, can I bring temptation into Job's life? If you really look into this passage, most scholars would uh, tell you this, and this fact where I got it from, but that this was more of a direction to Satan's fallen angels, the one-third that followed him out of heaven. It was, it was a command. It was, it was sending hell's resources to separate Peter from the flock, to separate Peter from his calling, his anointing, his disciples, and from Jesus. And so what Satan was doing is he was putting a bounty on his head. He was asking for Peter. He was asking for Peter to be separated, sending his fallen angels to go get him, to stop him, to ruin him, to attack him, to take him out of, of his calling before uh, Jesus.
Jesus would, would, would leave the earth before the day of Pentecost, get Peter out of the way now. Satan understood there was an anointing on him. There's a great ministry in him. He had been privy to the conversation. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus saying, Pete, your name's no longer Simon, but your name's Peter. And upon this rock, I'll build my church. And here's the keys to the kingdom, the kings of the kingdom of heaven. And all these things. And so, so hell knew there's an assignment for Peter. And there's a bounty on his head. And he's releasing demons and hell's angels were working against Peter. And here comes Jesus saying, I'm praying for you by name. It's not that you're never going to mess up, but it's that you won't quit when you do. And God's grace will step in. And you'll get to that moment on the day of Pentecost. And 3,000 people will be saved. I got to tell you today, don't let hell take you out of your calling. Begin to pray for people. Pray for your brothers. Pray that God's will would be done. I, I, uh, I've said many times, but I believe that Satan studies us. I believe that he's custom making a weapon to take us out, studying our past, our failures, our weaknesses. And that passage shows us that Satan is intentional against us. He's putting out bounties, saying, go out and take Peter. But as you call for your families by name, your friends by name, your brothers, your sisters, your church family, speak their name out loud. And there's something that covers them. Jesus said, but I have prayed for you. Meaning there was something that stopped and shifted and changed in the atmosphere. There was a conjunction moment when I began to pray for you. And so I'll tell you, are you praying for people by name? Do you call their name before heaven? There's something powerful when we do. 1 John 5 and 14 says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Notice there's confidence in nothing else than in him. And in prayer to him, that when we pray, he hears us. Now it said we ought to pray according to his will. But think about it. Isn't it God's will to save? Isn't it God's will to provide? He said, an earthly father wants to provide good things for his children. How much more does your heavenly father? When you pray according to his will, God hears us and God supplies. And when we pray for them again, God's voice is, uh, God hears our voice again and again. And the more we pray, people are just bumping into the grace of God. There's a moment where they, they hear God's voice. There's a moment where something happens in their life. And there's just, there's just something they can't get away from because somebody is praying for them. I want to tell you, don't stop praying because the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man certainly avails much. I may say amen to that. Music come, I got to close. I want to close with this. Another thing I see is that Jesus prayed with others. Jesus prayed with others. There's certainly times that he prayed alone. Of course, the Lord told us, get a prayer closet. Pray by yourself. There's times when you should. But he also commanded us to pray with others. And he modeled it as well. The Bible said in Luke chapter 9 that he took Peter, James, and John to go pray with him on the hillside. What is that? It was an inner group. He had, he had a small group. He had a life group of 12. But he even had a, a group of three within that, that a cell within that cell. Uh, an inner circle within the circle that he could really be close with. And I remember on the night of his betrayal in the Garden of Gethsemane, he, he woke Peter, James, and John up and he said, would you go a little further in prayer with me? Would you go a little deeper in the garden with me? And he had a few that, that he, he, he would share that with. He said, if I can put a... Uh, and, and, and the Bible said, if, if one can put a thousand to flight, Two could put 10,000 to flight. And Jesus understood this. How powerful is it that we could get a few people together just agreeing in prayer? Maybe it's before service. Maybe it's in the middle of the week. Maybe it's after right now when we do this altar call. This is a house of prayer. This is a house of prayer. And I want to invite our prayer team and when we close out and just and they're here. If you've got something to pray with, they'll pray with you. 
And here's what Jesus said to his disciples. He said in Matthew 18, he said, Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. There's that prayer group. There's that agreement. He says here in verse 20, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. I think sometimes we use that verse for an excuse for low church attendance, but that's not what it's about. It's about the two verses that we just read. That when people are binding together, gathered in the name of Jesus... Jesus is saying, I'm right in the middle of that thing. I'm right there with you all. And I don't care where it is. It could be any situation. It could be an office, a church, a home, a car ride, a hospital, a funeral home. I don't know where it is, but the book of Acts said that when Paul got to Macedonia, there was a group of women having a prayer meeting down by the river. It was a prayer group. How powerful would it be if you had that group of people. Stand with me today. And now, I want to open this altar today. And I want to remind you today that this is a house of prayer. This is a house of prayer. And I thank God for all the things that happen in His house. People are baptized in His house we celebrate that. People come to salvation in his house and we celebrate that. We have fellowship in his house and we celebrate that. We worship in his house. I celebrate that. We encourage one another in this house and I celebrate that. We can break bread together. We can fellowship with one another and I celebrate all of that. But when Jesus defined his house, said, don't forget, this is a house of prayer. This is a house where we come in and call on the name of the Lord. And I wonder if in this room right now, we every head bowed and every eye closed. And we just remember right now, this is a place of prayer. God hears my voice right now. Right now, in this moment, I'm in the presence of the King of Kings. Right now, in this moment, I can boldly come before the throne of heaven and ask for grace and ask for mercy. And in this moment, without anybody moving around, I just want to say, what do you need? What do you need from the king? What do you need to ask for? Maybe it's grace. Maybe it's mercy. Maybe it's salvation. Maybe it's forgiveness. Maybe it, I don't know what it is today, but would you call on the Lord? Lord, we just pray right now in this room, over this house, that there would be a that there would be a fervency, that there would be an anointing, that there would be a passion, that there would be a desire to pray. And Lord, don't ever let us fall into prayerlessness. Lord, don't let us ever fail or forget to pray when we come into this house. But let there be a connection, let there be a grace, let there be a mercy, let there be an anointing. When we open our mouths to pray in Jesus' name. Once again, thank you so much for listening. Share this message with a friend and don't forget to hit subscribe. See you next time.